0: Good evening, brothers and sisters. I'd like to invite you now to open up your copy of the Scriptures with me now to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We're going to pick up in the passage that we were in this morning from Luke chapter 2. And as you're turning your Bibles, I want to remind you that we have seen... Three different, two different witnesses so far in this passage in Luke chapter 2. First we saw the angels proclaiming and declaring the good news that the Lord Jesus had come. And in His birth the, the shepherds heard and rejoiced, but the angels were rejoicing. A great multitude of angels announcing and rejoicing the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this morning we saw the witness and the testimony of uh, Simeon in the temple... But we have the most unlikely witness in our passage this evening, and that's why I've titled this sermon, Another Prophetic Witness, Um, because we often hear about shepherds, we often hear about wise men, and we often hear um, stories, you know, through the season that we're in. But we often don't hear about Simeon, and we often don't hear about Anna, especially Anna. This prophetic witness, this woman who speaks forth the word of the Lord, that is who we're going to be looking and hearing from tonight. But in looking at Anna's life, we're really going to see how glorious and how great the Redeemer that she proclaims really is. So I want to invite you to read with me now from Luke chapter 2, verse 36 through 38. Luke chapter 2. Verses 36 through 38, I want to remind you to be attentive. This is God's most holy inspired word. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow, until she was 84 She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. This is God's holy word. Let's give him thanks for his word. Lord, we praise you and we thank you that you have drawn near to your people in the person of your Son, Jesus Christ. The Word has been made flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only. Looking into the face of the Jesus Lord, we begin to know more of who you are. And looking into the narrative of his birth, Father, we find comfort and rest and hope and joy in the fact that you come and dwelt among your people. Lord, would you satisfy our hearts? Would you encourage our hearts this evening as we reflect on this witness who bore witness to your son who came into flesh to dwell among your people? May we, in looking at Anna, see Jesus more clearly, we ask and pray in your son's most holy name. All of God's people said, amen. Waiting is hard. Obvious, Right. It can be so difficult to be told to wait a little longer. Just wait a little longer. And oftentimes, those people who use the words wait a little longer know it's not just a little longer, it could be a whole lot longer. They don't always tell us the exact time that our expectations and our hopes will be filled. All we hear is wait a little longer. 84 years is a long time to wait, don't you think? 10 years might be too long for the thing that you're waiting for. 24 hours might be long for the person who's waiting to hear the report from the doctor. Waiting's hard. And most of the time, it doesn't matter how long it is in the waiting, it's just difficult when you're waiting, isn't it? There's good news for those who wait. Rejoice, O Jerusalem, city of David. Your Redeemer has come. Give thanks, Israel. Your Redeemer has come. O oh, church of God, give praise. Give thanks to God. Your Redeemer has come. The wait is over. Rejoice. Give thanks. Give praise, Delight yourself in the good news that your Redeemer has come. And notice the word there, Redeemer. The one who takes broken things and restores them to right order. The one who finds the lost things and brings them back to home. The one who meets those who are sick and unwell and restores them to health. Those who are lost, those who are sick, those who are waiting, rejoice. Your Redeemer, the one who reverses all that is wrong and bad and worrisome in your life. He has come to you. 84 years is a long time to wait. But what we see in this passage and what we hear in this passage is the good news for those who are waiting through another prophetic witness who knows exactly what you're going through. Let's look at the text again. It says there was a prophetess. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? A prophetess, that's not a term we hear a lot in, in the Scriptures. Actually, it's, you, you think about it, you're going, who are all the prophetesses in the, in the Bible? You probably can name them if we had a Bible quiz right now. But remember, Miriam was considered a prophet, prophetess, Moses' sister, She rejoiced, she sang, and she proclaimed the glories of God's mighty victory when she prophesied. We also have Deborah in the book of Judges. She prophesies. There are a few more, but then here in the New Testament we have in verse 36 there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. Who is this lady from this dispersed um, tribe from the north that actually doesn't even exist anymore. Remember, the tribe of Asher, it's in the north. It's, it's of the people of Israel. They're no longer even considered part of the covenant at this point in the minds of those who are living in Jerusalem. They just, they went off into exile and they never returned. They just disappeared. But no, here's a remnant. Here's one waiting. Here's one who speaks the words and the oracles of God who is from the north, that insignificant place in the minds of modern-day Jews in Jesus' time. It's, it's puzzling that it's someone that might seem so insignificant that the Lord is going to speak through, that the Lord is going to work through. This lady is known for being one who is faithful not only to the worship of God, but is also faithful to bear witness to God. She has the title of prophetess, one who speaks forth the oracles and the word Of God. Now, you've heard the passage read, and you're going to look at the passage again, and you're going to say, well, what did she say? We don't have any of her words recorded here. A prophet is, don't we know, but what we know about prophets is that they speak, they talk, they they tell us what we ought to do, or what we ought to believe, or how we ought to repent, or what, that's what prophets do, they talk if you look at the Old Testament prophecies, prophets really closely, it's not just their words that you need to be watching. You also watch their lives. Because even in the way that they live, they're teaching you something. And I think that's what's going on here with Anna the prophetess. Someone from an insignificant tribe that, like, why, why is she in the story here? That tribe isn't, isn't even in existence, but there's a faithful remnant left. The Lord has not given up on His people. He's going to reveal himself to people who think they've been just kicked out of the promises. No, there's a promise for Asher, and Anna sees it, and she lays hold of it. And her life, the way she lives, becomes the lesson for us. It's not going to be the word she says. It's going to be the way that she lived, and consider her life, consider her history now. It says that there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, and the tribe of Asher... She was advanced in years. The nice way of saying that is she's really old. She'd experienced a lot of life. But her life is not just marked with a lot of years. It's marked with great sorrow. Rejoice, church. Rejoice, Israel. Rejoice, city of David. Because the Redeemer comes to you in your sorrow in your grief, in your bereavement. Isn't that glorious? That the Redeemer breaks into the world, our world, where we are, not where we ought to be. It's not like a clean up your act and then Jesus will come. No, the Redeemer breaks into where we are and where is she? She's aged. She's bereaved. She was only married to her husband for seven years after she was a virgin That's a very short window of time. And then for 84 years, either it could be translated that she was 84 years old or that since the time of her husband's death, she had lived for 84 years. There's some translation wiggle room there. But either way, it's a long time. Now, in her waiting, in her grieving, in her sorrowing, that's where the Redeemer's going to meet her. He's going to come to her where she's at, not where she ought to be. But notice what she does with her grief. Notice what she does in her bereavement. Notice how she lives in light of the sorrow that she had faced in losing a husband at such a young age. She was a widow for 84 years. But continue on in verse 37. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. She grieved well in hope. Look at her life. A young lady loses her husband, probably never had children, So there's a double grief there, right? She's not just lost her husband. She has no offspring and she has no son to take care of her. She has deep grief, deep sorrow. But what does she do in her grief and her sorrow? It says she goes to the temple and she does not depart from this practice. She did not depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. She showed up to the temple at the stated hours of prayer. She was present at the evening sacrifice. She was present at the morning sacrifice. She devoted herself to the worship of God rather than sitting in all the worry and despair that comes with grief. Oftentimes, I don't really know what to say when I have to look in the eyes of a face of someone who's grieving the loss of someone whom they love. What do we say? What would Anna say? Grieve, your sorrow is real. The hurt, it matters. The brokenness, it's unavoidable. Grieve, but grieve well in hope. There's promises made to the people of God in their grief. I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know if you're grieving a loss because it's that time of year where we're looking across the table and reminiscing with one another about our families and speaking about all the memories and things that have gone on over the years. And you look up to that one chair and that person's not there anymore. Grief. But grief, well. Grieve and hope. There's promises for you. And you can actually worship your way in your grief. Turn to the one who offers you hope, not to the world that just offers you trinkets to numb the pain. Look to the one who can comfort you with peace. Go to the one who's made promises to you in your mourning. Maybe it's not the absence of someone you've lost. Maybe it's the absence of someone you long for. Maybe you have that desire, that, that unmet expectation, that fulfillment of just maybe a child or a friend or a husband or a wife, a companion who can come to you in your situation and encourage you along the way. And I say to you, grief, even hope. Don't turn to the trinkets and the devices of the world in your pain and your grief. No, turn to the one who meets you in your grief because do you see what's happening here? She shows up day in and day out, night and day she shows up, night and day she goes and she worships. She worships the God who's made covenant promises to his people. She does not forsake the assembly of the righteous. No, she makes it a point for life to show up every day. She did not depart from this practice of going to the temple day in and day out. She grieves well in the hope that she has in the covenant-keeping God, who said he would send a what? A redeemer. One who meets you in your sorrow one who meets you in your brokenness one who meets you in your desires and longings and hurts and who brings redemption wow that's our covenant god who's made these promises so she keeps up showing up worshipping with fasting and prayer night and day anticipating longing crying out for the redeemer I don't know if Anna would say this, but I'll say it. You can grieve well in gospel hope by worshiping the covenant-keeping God who has made promises to redeem you even in that situation that you are grieving now. in that sorrow you're facing right now. in that difficulty that you might be experiencing. Because here's the good news. The Redeemer comes to our world The world that we live in, he meets us where we are. And Anna's life, her life is a witness to us about how God meets his people in their long, long, 84 year long sorrowing. But he also recognizes their devotion and their faithfulness. And what does the Lord do? He allows Anna, just like Simeon, to see and to experience the arrival of the Redeemer. She has the grace. She has this kindness, this mercy, this grace to actually be able to lay hold of the one who was promised to those who are waiting. To those who are longing and faithful worship, she gets the grace of seeing the Redeemer in the flesh. Little, bit of, little bitty baby, but great Redeemer. And how does she respond? She responds in verse 38. She began to give thanks to God. Giving thanks to God for What? Well, surely there was some kind of hustle and bustle going on since Simeon had just spoke about the Redeemer who is here. She comes up at that hour and hears and she sees and she agrees with Simeon and she says, he is here. Let us give thanks to God. Our Redeemer has drawn near the one that we have longed for, the one we have waited for. He has come. But then it says she didn't only just give thanks to God. She just didn't turn her praise upward to the great God who has created all things and kept his covenant. Now she begins to take her vertical worship and she takes it horizontal and it says she began to speak of him to all. She began to speak to him of all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. People like her. She went to all her neighbors and friends who she knew that were sorrowing or grieving and waiting. All of Jerusalem, all of Israel's waiting for the Redeemer, They're looking, and what does she go? What does she go and do? She begins to speak to all that she knows. Every person she can find who has this hope that she has, she wants them to be comforted in that hope. She wants them to be encouraged in the announcement that the Redeemer has drawn near. This woman marked by bereavement and grief, whose life is marked by faithful worship, becomes another faithful witness to the redemption of God in Christ that he has come near. As she gives thanks to God, she goes out and she tells others what God has done. Now, when it says she gave thanks to God, we see that she is giving praise and adoration and and reminding God that he not only has made promises, but that he's fulfilled his promises. But then it says... And she began to speak. In our imaginations and in our minds, we can just see, like, she heard, she received the news, and she spoke about it in that time and place. But the text is actually, she spoke, she kept on speaking, and spoke some more. She continued speaking. She continually bore witness to the Redeemer. As she would leave the temple, she would have nothing else to talk about other than that the Redeemer had come. And what does she speak about? She speaks about the redemption of Jerusalem. Our Savior, our salvation, our Redeemer has drawn nigh. Can you imagine hearing that from a woman who spent 84 years in her widowhood, grieving in sorrow, but showing up faithfully to worship, leaving one afternoon The desire, the longing, he's come. The countenance would change. The tone would change. The urgency of her speaking to her neighbors and friends would change. Rejoice, O Jerusalem, city of David. Our Redeemer has come. Rejoice, O Asher, you forgotten tribe in Israel. Our Redeemer has come. Rejoice, so church of God. Your Redeemer has come to you where you are right now. And he brings all of his covenant faithfulness and he brings all of his great, mighty power and he brings it to you now. And he says, Do you trust me? Are you hoping in me? You've been waiting. Now I'm here. Where is your confidence? Where is your confidence, church? Right now. In the place where you are in your real life, in your real situation, right now. Our Redeemer has come, and he comes to you. He meets with you through the preaching of his word. Even at this moment, he says, what are you trusting in? Where is your confidence? Where is your faith? Your redemption has drawn nigh. The comfort you long for, it's coming. It's here. Rest in it. The peace that we need in our hearts to weather the worries and the griefs that we face in our life, it's here. It's available to you. This is not some soft, pat answer to give to people in their sorrowing. No, it's good gospel news for those who are really in despair. Those who are really hurting. Those who are really sad. The world is not as it should be, brothers and sisters. But our Redeemer has come. We no longer are waiting for Him. He has come. And He has Set his love and affection on those who put their trust and their confidence in him. He has redeemed those. From those who live in the darkness, he has brought light. Through those who are under the penalty of death, he has brought salvation. For those who are without hope, he's brought hope. For those who are desiring and longing and waiting, maybe it's been a long time. Your Redeemer has drawn near to you, and He will satisfy your hearts, just like He did Anna's. So, what do you do with your grief? What do you do in your sorrowful waiting? Don't give up on the promises made. Devote yourself to the worship of God. Give thanks to him. Call upon his name. Cry out about the real hurts and the real difficulties that you're facing. Cry out to him about the real sorrows that are in your heart. He has drawn near to you. Go to him. Worship him. Speak night and day. Devote yourself to him. Devote yourself to the assembly of the saints. There you will find encouragement. There you will find strength. There you will find the reminder that your Redeemer has drawn nigh to you. But don't forget the last part. What you've seen and what you've heard tonight Requires that we respond with thanksgiving. How do we respond to all this? It says that coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God. The Redeemer has come. Church, rejoice. Give thanks to God for his mighty deeds and acts. You're not awaiting your Redeemer, he has come. Give thanks to God. But don't just do vertical praise. Don't forget horizontal witness. Go and speak to all who you know are hurting, longing, and waiting just like you. And remind them of the comfort that you receive and the good news that a Redeemer has come. Rejoice, O Jerusalem, city of David. Rejoice, Israel of God. Rejoice, church. Your Redeemer has come and He will make all things new. What I love about that is it doesn't say He's going to make all new things. He's going to make all things new. That sorrow will turn to joy, that despair will be met with comfort, that sin can be forgiven. That longing can be satisfied if you will turn and look to the covenant-keeping God who has sent his Redeemer to you. Receive him, cling to him, trust him. He has come. So in light of all that, let us rejoice and give thanks, but also let us leave with this good news on our lips and let us speak to all those who, like us, are waiting for redemption. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We praise you and delight in the word of your law. We delight in your gospel. We delight in how you have revealed yourself to us through the person and work of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, our hearts even now long for your second coming, your return when you will come and you will make all things new. We wait for that redemption. We long and cry out for that But Lord, we rejoice and give you thanks that you've come to us in the incarnation. You have made your presence known. And when you came to us, you came as our redeemer to restore us, to heal us, to comfort us, to deliver us. Lord, thank you for this witness who sorrowed and grieved for so long, but did it so faithfully. Thank you for satisfying her heart and empowering her to give you praise and to bear witness. Lord, for anyone here tonight that is sitting in a chair, grieving and sorrowing, would you meet them with the same news that Anna heard, the rede- redemption of Israel has come. And may we cling to him. Lord, help us to do that, even in this season, this time, this day, this very hour, Lord. May your word resonate in our hearts in such a way that we walk away giving you thanks and sharing what you've done for us as we leave. Lord, we thank you for your son. In his name we pray. Amen.